What's going on, guys? Welcome to a new episode of the uh, weekly sports show with Will and Loro and the Loro Antonio Sports Talk podcast show. This is Loro, and Will is with me to talk about some uh, NFL and MLB stuff. So, Will, get your popcorn ready. We are we are there for NBA free agency, so get your outline ready for who we predict is going to be with whom. So, Will, how's it going today, man? Good. I'm doing great. Excited for a free agency to start. Yeah, and then we're going to talk about some NFL. We'll preview what's in store in the 2019 offseason for the Bears, Lions, and Vikings, and Packers. And for baseball, we'll talk about the recaps of the last recent series of the Dodgers and the Rangers, and then recap today's and preview today's uh, game through the Dodgers and Rockies. So if I may ask, uh, before we get started, uh, what's the temperature in Denver right now? Is it is it warm and sunny in your area right now? Uh, it's, it's pretty warm and sunny. We're getting some days where it's high seventies, eighties, um, a a little bit of rain here and there, but it's, it's definitely getting hotter. So today it's supposed to be hot today in, in, in Denver and then tomorrow it's supposed to be kind of cloudy. Uh, yeah, you know, really warm, but thunder, a lot of thunder. Yeah, I could tell right there. It's, it's humid time in Colorado. So let's get started with the NBA. So Let's talk about the draft recap. So, what were your thoughts on the on the 2019 NBA draft? I mean, there were there were a lot of things that were pretty obvious that they were going to happen, but um, at the same time, there were also some head scratchers, uh, things that you just wanted to think like, "Huh, that was a uh, that was uh, interesting." It, the NBA draft is always an interesting thing. It kind of was an interesting thing, that's for sure. So let's talk about who won the 2019 NBA draft. I'm going to say the Pelicans and Hawks were the winners of this draft. Mm-hmm. I think both these teams are going to be fun to watch when the new season begins. Well, yeah. I mean, I, the Pelicans basically won the draft when they, when they ended up with the one overall pick because that gave them leverage to, you know, say, hey, we, we can afford to trade Anthony Davis because we know we're getting Zion. And, uh, yeah, the Pelicans were the definite winner. Um, I also thought the the Hawks, you know, with all the picks they had, uh, you obviously knew they were going to get some talent. And uh, I'm also going to throw in for uh, for another winner, uh, the Orlando Magic. Uh, they uh, they uh, were able to use their mid round pick to get uh, a, a really good player, um, Okiki. Uh, from Auburn, who uh, got hurt, unfortunately. But I think uh, uh, that was a good move by Orlando. But, yeah, like the, the, the ultimate winner was definitely the Pelicans. It was definitely the Pelicans, that's for sure. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about um, some draft. So with, the, with, let's, with the draft recap, let's also talk about our 2019-2020 NBA Rookie of the Year prediction. And I, my pick for that is Zion Williamson. It'll be – he's in the perfect situation uh, to, to win it because he's, he's going to be the face of the franchise now. Um, yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be him or – I mean, if anyone's going to give him some kind of competition, uh, I'd you probably mean, have to say – um, Are you saying R.J. Barrett or uh, John Morant? Morant, I say Morant because he doesn't have to worry about Mike Conley there anymore. So, uh, it, it, I think it'll come down to Williamson or Morant. May, Barrett might make some noise because, I mean, the Knicks don't really have a, a superstar right now. So he, the Knicks might be his team. He might have to have like a a Luka Doncic or Trey Young impact for the for his team. You know, just separate themselves. But it'll I think it'll most likely be Zion. And then let's talk about let's talk about some draft uh, steals. I think it's going to be uh, I think a draft steal will be Todd Jerome and also uh, R.J. Barrett and the, and don't sleep on Uchi Areuma and don't sleep on and and DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. Yeah, I will say uh, getting getting um, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. That's definitely um, that that was that was I think the one of the biggest steals. All right. So now that being said, uh, let's talk. Let's talk about some NBA free agency preview. So let's start off with Kemba Walker. So 
I now predict that Kemba Walker will be on your Dallas Mavericks. And I say that because they need a point guard. And they need somebody that's going to compliment Luka Doncic in the backcourt, who's obviously now your reigning NBA Rookie of the Year. And he is looking to have a breakout sophomore season. So with that being said, I favor Kemba Walker signing with the Dallas Mavericks and to a max deal. And then, and then obviously the Mavericks will sign Chris Stapps Porzingis to a max contract. Yeah, we definitely um, already have the max contract basically getting ready to be given to Porzingis five years, 158 million. Um, I would love to get Kemba. He would, he would complement our and complete our team perfectly. Unfortunately, I, I don't know if we'll be able to get him. I, it seems like the favorites to get him now for some reason are, are the Celtics. Um, that, which is crazy because the Celtics are basically going to have a bunch of small guys, um, little, little basketball, like play little ball. But um, I, I would, I would really love for Kemba to come to, to Dallas. But again, everyone seems to be saying that the Celtics are the favorite to land him. All right, so I'll be watching NBA Free Agent Fever on Sunday right after I watch the Dodger game on Sunday. So it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a crazy Sunday, that's for sure. So with that being said, um, we know that uh, from what I heard is that Clay Thompson is going to remain a warrior on the five-year max. And then Kevin Durant's going to meet with four different teams. And then, and then I think – I also think that uh, – even though Kawhi met with the Lakers, I think he's going to remain a Toronto Raptor. So, with that being said, I predict Kawhi is going to remain a Raptor. And then from what I heard, I kind of predicted yesterday that KD would, would go to Brooklyn. But from what I heard, I think he'll remain a warrior with Klay Thompson on the max. Yeah. Um, I, I think for KD, you have to think now, like, people, people everyone said that, when he first went to the Warriors that, you know, he was taking the easy way. He was going with a, to a superstar team already, but his value, I mean, we, we've seen that the Warriors, they could still win without KD, but it was, it just wasn't enough to beat the Raptors with, with all the injuries they had. So I think with the, with the new, uh, with the new arena that, that the Warriors are building, they'll, they'll generate so much revenue that they might be able just be able to keep both KD and clay. I, 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 I think for sure it's more like, stay with the Warriors KD it's iffy but he definitely still is one of the four teams that he's uh has in his top four the Warriors are one of them that that shows that he's willing to hear what they have to offer so uh yeah that's and Kawhi I was very surprised um I mean there's been all that there's been that push recently with uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James trying to recruit him over to LA the Lakers uh me personally, I thought if he went to LA, it would be most most likely with the Clippers. But the Lakers seem to be making a bigger push for him. But in, in all honesty, I think Kawhi is in a good situation right now in Toronto with uh, all the pieces around him. So I, I think he should stay in Toronto at least another year or two or a couple of years. And yeah, I mean those, that rounds out the top dudes in free agency. Absolutely. So with that being said, uh, now uh, let's talk about. Let's talk about Jimmy Butler. I predict he's going to remain a Sixer. I also predict that uh, I predict Kemba's going to go to Dallas. I predict Kyrie is going to be a Clipper, a Laker, and then I predict that KD will remain a Warrior with Clay Thompson. And I and I also think Boogie Cousins will remain a Warrior on a short term deal. And I also think uh, I that's all I got right there, man. Yeah, I I think most of those guys should stay with their respective teams. Um, there might be some changes. I can. Um, I know everyone's saying that the Nets are the top team to sign Kyrie, but I just the thing with Kyrie is he he confuses me because I don't know if he's a guy that can take over a franchise. He's he seems well suited to be uh, the 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 B guy or the or the the, the role like the the stud starter who comes with clutch shots, but not the one who will take over like and, and own the game. So the Lakers makes good sense for him because, you know, LeBron's the guy and Anthony Davis is also like the, the two guys. So Kyrie will have less pressure to be the one to, he just, I just don't see him being the number one guy on whatever team he's at. So 
for for Kyrie's sake of success, the Lakers make make a lot of sense. Um, what about yeah. Jimmy Butler? I see him coming to LA with the Lakers or staying in Philadelphia. I think the I think the Phil, I think the Seventy Sixers are going to try to keep both him and Tobias Harris. I think they will. I think they'll keep either one of them, but I wouldn't be shocked if they kept both. Yeah, that one of them's definitely going to stay there. But if if both are, that you know. That would just mean Philadelphia is putting all their money into their starting lineup. Their their bench will be a little shaky, but they will have a stud starting lineup. Yeah, but they could they could use some money to get bench pieces as well. They can, uh, and that's that's the important thing. That's why the Lakers right now, you know, they're they're they have the they have that because uh, Anthony Davis uh, didn't that that trade uh, whatever it was gave the Lakers four million extra dollars, so now they have thirty two. Um, that, that, that means the Lakers can get another big superstar, but at the same time, uh, the Lakers are also going to want to use some money to get depth because they, they gave away, um, a lot of their youth, uh, in, um, some of the, in the, in the trades, uh, that they just made recently. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, everybody, uh, now let's talk about the 2019, 2020 NBA offseason preview and that's with the Los Angeles Lakers so how do you think Frank Vogel will do in his first year as the head coach of the Lakers and do you think Kyrie will team up with Anthony Davis and LeBron James in LA I think Vogel will do fine uh, he's proven that he can you know work with work with uh, a good core of players before especially when he was up in Indiana uh, there's a good coaching staff around him you know guys that are in there to help fix the weaknesses that the Lakers had this past year. Uh, obviously, a lot of personnel changes in terms of players, but at the same time, um, you have LeBron, who even though he's getting up there in age and has a few injury woes, uh, he's still – when it went, if you can keep him healthy, he's still top three player in the league. Anthony Davis, arguably the best big man in the league. Um, you know, as long as the Lakers get another guy like Kyrie, which – it would be a good situation for Kyrie because he, he fits perfectly as a complimentary player in the starting lineup, not the guy. I, I think if they got Kyrie, that would, uh, that would off, that would make a lot of things um, go smoother. And the Lakers will most likely, if they don't have any freak injuries or anything like that, be a top four team in the Western conference. So do you see a championship team for the Lakers in 2019, 2020? Well, it's wide. It, Obviously, with the Warriors having uh, terrible injury woes and KD probably missing the whole year and Clay missing eighty percent, ninety percent of the year, it's wide open. I, I honestly think uh, this is the first year where it's going to be hard to say. I, I see the war. I see the. I think that the Lakers, if they get another one or two really good players and maybe fill out that bench a little. I can see them going at least all the way to the Western Conference Finals, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, uh, let's talk about my and yours breakout player for the Lakers in 2019 and 2020. My pick is Kyle Kuzma. Ever since Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram got traded, Kyle Kuzma is my guy on the Lakers right now. And he is my favorite player on that team right now. And he is my breakout pick the Lakers this year and I say that because I think Kyle Kuzma is going to be ready to lead this Laker team and I was I was uh, from when I heard reports this was the guy that the Lakers were going to build the team around yeah he's the only one that wasn't on their trade sheet they 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 literally were okay with get it with parting ways with Ingram Ball um you know it uh Kuzma might be have a lower ceiling than Ball and Ingram, but he has uh, he has the highest floor. He uh, he he's a do it all forward. He can give you uh, anywhere from seventeen to twenty points per game. Uh, he he uh, he he'll bring you solid production. And obviously, he's going to have to step step his game up because you know we all know what LeBron and Anthony Davis can do, and whoever the third megastar is that the Lakers are going to get. So that's why. Um, Kuzma needs to continue that, the, the growth that he had last year to help round out that team and make it complete. He will make it complete. I have complete faith in him. He is right. He is. I told you that now that Brandon Ingram's been 
Now that Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball are gone, Kyle Kuzma is now my uh, true favorite Laker now. Yeah, uh, he's he's the guy that the Lakers uh, ha- have stuck with, and that made it made it part of their homegrown talent. To sh- that that just shows you that how much they value him, that they wanted to keep him and not have him be a part of any trade package. Absolutely, he is so valuable to the Lakers, and I think he's going to have a a monster season. So my starting five for the Lakers will look like this. Starting at center, Anthony Davis. Starting at the four, Kyle Kuzma. Starting at the three, LeBron James. Starting at the two is Jimmy Butler, if he does come to the Lakers. If not, then I could I could see us keeping KCP if if uh, if if Jimmy Butler doesn't come to the Lakers. So KCP will be at the two or Butler, and then at the one, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, uh, my lineup was – Basically the same. Davis at center, Kuzma at power forward, LeBron at uh, shooting at small forward. Uh, Jimmy Butler could go there, but as of right now, the cheaper and more feasible option in terms of uh, if the Sixers keep him, uh, Caldwell Pope at at a shooting guard, and then the five. I would expect uh, now the Lakers to keep Contavious Caldwell Pope now that – now that uh, now that the Lakers uh, now that the Lakers traded Josh Hart in them, and now they have enough money now. Yeah, they do. They have they have a very high cap space. Um, so yeah, because those also four. I, 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 I now expect KCP to remain a Laker now. Right, and then because like, fo- he's a good shooter too, you know. Yeah, he is. Uh, he and he and he's not. And he wouldn't be. He wouldn't cost a lot. Um, as opposed to another person at that position. I would say Lakers keep him back on a three- or four-year deal. Sure. Um, and then I guess rounding out the lineup. If, Kyrie Irving. If, if, the Nets don't, if the Nets don't make a massive push, I could see it being Kyrie or – D'Angelo I've, Russell. I've heard – yeah, I was going to say, I heard rumors that the Lakers might try to reunite with D'Angelo Russell. I don't know how that would work, but – I don't think it's going to happen, but I hope it does. But I prefer Kyrie Irving to be a Laker. Because I want him and LeBron to play again together. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, to be honest. When it comes to who's, who I'm a bigger fan of between Kyrie and LeBron, I'm more I'm I'm a bigger Kyrie fan. Yeah, I know a lot of Laker fans that are true Laker fans that uh, weren't too happy about getting LeBron just because. I was, uh, I was not happy about LeBron coming to LA, but I I I'm just have to st- I I know I have to just I just have to suck it up and sure. Uh, and just uh, deal with it because I'm not the biggest LeBron fan out there. When it comes to the Lakers, I'm more Kobe. I'm more Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving. They're my favorite players in the NBA that potentially could wear the Laker uniform. So that that was me. Yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. It's free agency is going to be crazy this upcoming week. Absolutely, I can't wait for tomorrow and for tomorrow too. So. Kyrie Irving signed that contract with the Lakers. Yeah, and uh, he's at his best when he uh, compliments LeBron. Yeah, I think they'll they're gonna reunite and solve the problem together. Well, if if they do, then watch out, the Lakers. This is the prime time with Golden State all banged up and other West Western Conference teams. The Warriors to- will still be a good team without. Assuming that they assign, that keep they keep Clay and KD, they're still going to be a fine team. They'll still be a top three in the in the West with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Yeah, they'll well. And, and also when Clay depends. Thompson comes back, he'll be back at the perfect time when uh, it's the playoff push. He'll be he'll be back probably around May, probably. Not May. I say he's back. Uh, I'll say he'll be back either before or after the All Star break. Oh, that's well, or January. Sometime in January, though. It, it it really depends on the rehab process. Um, it could be that early. I I'm gonna say, I, I would say that February, probably, maybe maybe a little, maybe around that time in February or March at the earliest. I'd say February because I expect the the Warriors to still get off to a good start to the season, and and then when they get Clay Thompson back, then he'll be back at the right time in time for that playoff push. Yeah, and uh, we all know that the that the Warriors have shown that you know when they still have that core three of Clay, uh, Draymond, and Steph that they're still very deadly. 
Yeah, they're still very deadly together, that's for sure. So, with that being said, let's talk about the NFL now. Let's do the previews of the Bears, Lions, Packers, and Vikings. Let's start off with the Chicago Bears. My draft grade for them was a B for the Bears, even though that they didn't have a good draft. But I'm going to get right to it. My favorite draft pick is uh, Riley Ridley, and I predict him as my breakout rookie on the Bears this season. I liked Riley Ridley a lot coming out of college, too. I, I thought, you know, because you played for a Georgia team that loved running the ball more than anything, he didn't get used as much. Um, I, I could see him doing great things there. They just got to figure out that passing attack. Um, I, I My favorite pick, obviously, is the one that a lot of people loved, uh, the David Montgomery selection. Uh, he, I, he Obviously, the Bears didn't really handle the Jordan Howard situation right, um, but Montgomery is a guy who can hit, touch the ball like 20 to 30 times a game and running behind that decent offensive line. Uh, I could see Montgomery having a very successful year, which is why I think he'll be the, the offensive breakout player. And then, and then my breakout players on the bears this year will be uh, Mitch Trubisky and, uh, and, and uh, Roquan Smith and Leonard Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Roquan Smith started to come into form uh, last year. I uh, I liked him a lot coming as a, as a linebacker. And uh, Mitch Trubisky, has, he started showing signs that year, last year, but he has to take that step forward because there were a lot of times where there, that offense was a little bleak and uh, dry, stale. So I, I think after another year with Matt Nagy, uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky, plus he gets a little more chemistry with his receivers. Um, they're all talented receivers. They just got to get in sync with him, and uh, that, that'll help him take a step forward. And then um, let's talk about my favorite offseason move for the Bears when they got ha-ha Clinton Dix. But the dumbest offseason move for the Bears was losing Adrian Amos. Yeah, it's not fun when you lose uh, one of your star players, especially to a, a rival division team. Because uh, I, th- I think Amos plays for the Packers now. Uh, yeah, he does. It's that's always tough. Um, I I also think uh, the, the Jordan Howard thing was shaky, but I do I did like the the Haha Clinton Dix addition because he's proven to be a, a a solid starter. I mean, Amos had a better year last year, but. Clinton Dix isn't a slouch. I also like the uh, the addition of Corderell Patterson. He'll he'll help their special teams out. He will too as well. So so that being said, my favorite game for the Bears this year. I can't wait for the Week One matchup against Green Bay when it's the beginning of the 100th season of the NFL. Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears D. I wonder who's going to have the edge in that one. I can't wait to see the Packers high flying offense go up against the Bears' top-ranked D come week one. Actually, yeah. the field in Chicago. Yeah, that. Uh, this is the first time, I think, in the last couple of years where the, where the first game of the NFL season didn't feature a team that was in the Super Bowl. Uh, because, you know, the Bears and Packers, this is arguably the top rivalry in all of the NFL. It's it's crazy. And uh, the history that that's between those two teams, that the game's going to be in Chicago – you know, Bears fans are going to be crazy, riled up. Um, I, I have that game on the on the uh, chart as one of my favorites. My, my other favorite one is uh, towards the end of the year when the Chiefs visit the Bears uh, before right around Christmas time. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how Patrick Mahomes and that electric offense uh, goes up does against their defense. And my and I, I did you think it was the right move for the NFL to? to feature the 100th season without featuring the Super Bowl champion on a Thursday night instead of featuring the two two oldest teams in the NFL play in the 100th anniversary game? I, I like that move just because it shows that uh, the, the history uh, of what the NFL has got, gone through and, you know, the, the I, I think you'd get more views watching a, a, the Packers-Bears start the season off than – uh, I mean, the Rams and Patriots are both quality teams, but depending on how they would schedule it, like the, the beauty of it is the Bears and Packers always have a great games when they play each other. Sometimes when you put a Super Bowl team against another team, it'll either be a blowout or the game will be kind of ugly. But I, I, I like that it's the Bear, Packers-Bears because those games are always just intense and it's it's historical. 
Absolutely. So, so with that being said, uh, let's talk about the Bears' projected record. So, I have the Bears finishing in uh, in in a in a tie for second, but I think the Bears will will owe the tiebreaker in second place, and that's and the Bears will go eleven and five with a second place tie, and then the Bears owe the tiebreaker. Yeah, I. This Bears team is so talented. I, I I can't see them losing more than eleven games. That that defense is just incredible, and their offense can only get better. And if they do, then watch out. That they're I don't have the team. Bears winning the division, though. I have I have the Green Bay Packers winning the NFC North. Ah, that is that is interesting. Uh, because I never give up on Aaron Rodgers, though, because that division is so tough, and no one can keep up with Aaron Rodgers too. Because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come back with vengeance this year. That's why I have Green Bay winning the division this year. He very well could. Uh, never count Rodgers out. That guy does matter. But if, if he wasn't healthy, then my pick of the NFC North would change. And I think I would give it to Chicago. Right. But I, I'm going to go Green Bay winning the NFC North. But I don't have Chicago winning the division, though. Yeah. Uh, that It's a tough division, honestly, like. It's 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 the I think it's the most competitive division right now in uh in the NFL. So so you so you kind of get why I got the Green Bay Packers winning the division. I could see them being in the play mixed for it. I I'm, right now until I see how the Packers' new additions and revamped team looks with their new coach, I'm leaning a little more towards the Bears. But I could see the Packers winning the division. Yeah. So so my pick to win the NFC North is the. Sh- the NFC North is the Green Bay Packers. Right. Right now, right now I'm sticking with the Bears, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers, you know, Rodgers, if he gets on a hot streak and things change. Yeah, because I, I never give up on Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy, you know. He 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 does he's 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 magical. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL, you know. Yeah. He he make he's a highlight machine, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh man. He makes defenses look bad. I'll tell you. He has the Cowboys number, but I want to see a Brady and Rodgers Super Bowl matchup in, in, uh, in from a Patriots fan perspective. But for, but for my Super Bowl pick this year, when it's the for Super Bowl 54 down in Miami, I have Patriots Saints. I want Brady Breeze, battle of the oldest quarterbacks in the NFL. The NFL has never seen that before. Yeah. Both 40-year-old uh, uh, quarterbacks going up against each other. That, that that's, what, that, that's what I wanted last year's Super Bowl to be, the – Patriots. It'll be this year, though. It it could be as long as uh, yeah, as long as the Saints don't. Last year, towards the end of the year, the Saints' offense started to sputter a little. But if they if they stay strong and you know make uh, keep Breeze healthy and upright, then yeah, they could be in the. They will. I think they'll they'll do good. Now, with that being said, uh, I have the Bears going eleven and five, a tie for second place, but them owing the tiebreaker. So. The next team we're going to talk about next is the Detroit Lions. So, I mean, my favorite offseason move for the Lions, signing Amendola and Flowers, that's going to help Matt Patricia out a lot. But the dumbest offseason move for the Lions was when they got rid of Glover Quinn. And then my favorite draft pick for the Lions, and my pick already to be the breakout rookie for the Detroit Lions this year is TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, uh, Hawkinson is was arguably one of the – best players in last year's draft class uh he's a stud it, people people are already saying he's like a, a mini like a, a a mini version of Gronkowski uh he he's like com- a complete tight end blocking receiving do it all um Matthew Stafford's gonna love that because he Matthew Stafford's never really had a a true stud tight end uh they had it they gave him Eric Ebron but that didn't work out and uh I I do think that was a great addition uh and the Trey Flowers um, move was also great because obviously uh, Patricia knows how good Flowers is from his time in New England and knows what he brings, how he helps the defense, uh, uh, how the, the the effort he does, the the things he does that don't quite show up in the stat sheets. His um, plus, you know, Flowers is an, a bit of an upgrade over Ezekiel Ansah, uh, Ziggy Ansah, who was always hurt. So uh, some good moves by the by the Lions. And then, and then let's talk about uh, the game to high. Let's talk about my draft grade for the Lions. I give them a nice B in this one. I mean, it was solid, but not elite, though. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Hawkinson. And then I, the only other pick I really liked a lot was the linebacker that they drafted, um, Jelani Tavai. Um, the, the Lions need, need, need. Patricia is a defensive minded coach, but his front seven last year would get gassed by the run occasionally. So, um, he getting flowers and having a solid draft that that'll help out for sure. Absolutely. So with that being said, um, let's talk about the game to highlight on the line schedule. I can't wait for that Thanksgiving game again against the, the Chicago bears, but really I kind of think I want to see more Rogers versus Stafford on Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause there's been times where they've met on Thanksgiving where, uh, Rodgers usually has the Lions number, but there there was I remember there were two times um, around that Thanksgiving time when the Lions actually beat the Packers. So I feel like that would be a a better matchup. We saw the Bears Lions this past Thanksgiving. It it was a tight close game, but you know it, it would be a lot better because with Rodgers and uh, Stafford, you're more likely to see a shootout happen than a, a defensive slugfest. So I I'm definitely uh, eager to see to see that game, but uh, I. I also really want to see. Um, I want to say because the chart because the North because the Lions play the AFC West this year. I kind of want to see them. Uh, you know when they when they have to host uh, the um, like, teams like the Chargers and Chiefs. You know that's a good test for Patricia to see if his defense can uh, hold up against two uh, high powered offenses like that. And then let's talk about now. Uh... Let's talk about now uh, my breakout players on the lines this year. I have it being Carrion Johnson and Ashawn Robinson. And uh, and uh, my projected record for the Lions this year, I have them going 8-8. Eight and eight. I think this will be a good second step for Matt Patricia as a head coach. Yeah, the Lions just are unfortunate, like, they have a they have a solid team, but unfortunately, the other three teams in that division are so dang good. Uh, it, yeah, I, you know, I, I really like Carryon Johnson. Uh, I think he's the running back that the uh, Lions have been looking for for the last uh, decade, decade and a half. Um, they haven't really had a solid running back for a long time, and you know, I, I think he'll take the next step forward. That defense can only get better, but yeah, I see them going. Eight and eight, probably nine and seven. And and with that being said, the next team we'll talk about is the Green Bay Packers. So let's start with favorite and dumb offseason move, one for each. I love the uh, Preston Smith signing. I think he's going to help with that defense. But the dumb offseason move was getting rid of Clay Matthews and uh, losing Randall Cobb. Yeah, uh, Obviously, they um, made some big no- noise, uh, especially on defense in the uh, offseason. They they got Adrian Amos, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith. Um, you know, Clay Matthews was getting up there in age, but he still was a solid role player, and he made big plays when it when it mattered. Um, I also I also think the Randall Cobb loss is kind of huge because even though Randall Cobb was hurt a little the past couple, got hurt the past couple of years. When he was healthy, he was one of Rodgers' favorite targets out of the slot, and he he made some big plays. And I also think uh, a big loss for Green Bay was losing uh, Muhammad Wilkerson. He, uh, you know, if they could have re-signed him, that would have completed that defensive interior. Oh, okay. So, so with that being said, uh, my favorite draft pick and my breakout rookie for the Green Bay Packers this year is. Uh, I'm going with Rashawn Gary. Yeah. Um, he has a bit of a question mark on him just because he, he's more of a raw talent than a, a finished product. But if he, if he be able, if he's able to put it together and, you know, get his technique down and master the, the, the art of rushing from the edge, watch out. He's one of the, he was one of the most athletic guys drafted. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to, uh, uh, tight end Jay Sternberger in that offense because Jimmy Graham's getting up there with age and Sternberger was a pretty productive in college. I, I want to see uh, him see, I want to, I want to see him on the field a lot. I think he, I think he'll be a favorite target of Rogers to come in the future. And then my breakout uh, players for the Packers this year, I'm picking uh, Devonte Adams on offense along with Aaron Jones, the running back and on defense, I'm going with Kenny Clark. Yeah, I mean Adams. 
he's already shown he's a stud. I, I, uh, I, I think he'll only get keep getting better um, as as the number one receiver for that offense. Uh, Aaron Jones, it's his time now. He he's had so many highlights, but injury issues. Uh, he's he's got to put it together. And on defense, I uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Preston Smith rise up and be that force off the edge that the Packers haven't seen since Clay Matthews was 100% healthy in his prime. Also, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see rookie uh, safety Darnell Savage uh, make some noise early on. All right. So now that being said, the game to highlight is we already talked about this. Looking forward to the Bears-Packers game week one. And my projected record for the Green Bay Packers this year, they are the number two seed in the NFC with a 13-3 and record. And win uh, the NFC North. Yeah. Uh, it, it will be very interesting. Uh, that's for sure. I, the Packers have a very – um, tough schedule, obviously, with their within within their own division. Plus, they put they have to travel to play. They have to travel to both the Chiefs and LA. Um, it, I I see the Packers going uh, eleven and five and being second in the division. All right. So now the next team we're going to talk about next, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, my draft grade for them is a B. And then I'll tell you already, my breakout rookies for the Vikings this year is uh, is is uh, Garrett Bradbury and Irv Smith Jr. weren't very active this offseason, but I feel like that this Vikings team is going to bounce back this year defensively. And also, re-signing Anthony Barr was huge for this Vikings team. Yeah, uh, honestly, like the, the Vikings – they have such a complete defense talent wise from top to bottom. Uh, I think it's one of the most complete defenses in the, in the entire league in terms of depth, like your front seven, your secondary, like they're all so talented. Uh, I, I did like, I liked how in the off season they added like guard Josh Klein. And then of course in the drafts, Garrett Bradbury, because the biggest issue for the Vikings that has been offensive inconsistency due to O-line play or terrible play calling. So uh, I, I think that solving those will help the Vikings rebound, and they're they're just too talented a team to you know skip, have a bad season like they did this past year. My breakout players on the Vikings this year: I'm going to go Dalvin Cook and Trey Waynes, and then my the game I'm looking forward to seeing for the Vikings is that Week Two matchup against the Green Bay Packers, in which the Green Bay Packers should have won if it weren't for that. Passing if that roughing the passer call on Clay Matthews, which I thought that that should have not been called. That yeah, I remember that game last year. Uh, that game was bad on both parts. Both the teams, officiating was terrible. Both and like both teams couldn't kick a field goal to win the game. Yeah, uh, that was like, so embarrassing. Kickers should be ashamed of themselves. The uh, the Vikings had three chances to win towards the end of the game, and their that kicker who they cut after that, Daniel Carson, he missed all the kicks and. Mason Crosby, he he missed like his kicks too. So that that was a bad game in general. Um, as far as the Vikings go, yeah, uh, it's always fun when the Vikings play the the uh, Packers. I'm uh, I I'm actually really looking forward to when um, the Vikings uh, play travel to Seattle uh, this year, just because last year. Uh, that's when the Vikings. Kirk Cousins just doesn't play well in primetime games. No, uh, he doesn't. And that's why. That's why I'm putting that game down because I, I Kirk Cousins has to break the streak. You know, like he he's got a few primetime games uh, against quality teams, against Seattle on the road against Seattle. He has to. They have to travel to L.A. for a primetime game against the Chargers. They, um, of course, I think. Uh, they have a prime time game when, when they host the Packers. Like he's all like he's got to get over that hump, and that's why. Like for me, those three games—Packers, Chargers, and Seahawks—all prime time. Heck, even da- the Dallas game is a prime time game. He's got to he's got to show that he could finally win. Otherwise, they're only paying him to win against mediocre teams and put up numbers instead of actually doing legit against quality teams. Yeah, you might be right about that. That's for sure. So. My projected record for the Vikings this year is 11 and five, 
and my projected order of the NFC North will look like this. It's going to be Packers, Bears, Vikings, and Lions. Yeah, mine's basically the same, just flipping the Bears and Packers. I have the Bears winning the division, Packers and Packers and Vikings either tied for second or one of them having a one-game edge over the other, and then fourth place. The... You have the Packers going to the playoffs? I do, as the number two seed in the NFC behind the Saints. I think the game that's going to determine how the playoffs are seeded is going to be that December 23rd game, Packers-Vikings. That'll determine which of the two go to the playoffs, I think. Uh I think they're going to be neck and neck, so whoever wins that game will go. For right now, I'm going to lean slightly more towards Green Bay, um, going, taking, going, finishing second and earning a wild card to the postseason. But I, I'm saying this because I feel bad for the Vikings fans and for all the talent they have. They, this is the year where they have to show that 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 that, that you know they're a decent team, but. As of right now, I'll have the Packers going to the playoffs at the, at the second place and the Vikings finishing third and the Lions fourth. All right. So with that being said, now uh, let's move on to baseball. So let's talk about the Dodgers and Diamondbacks series. So the Dodgers should have won that series, but the Diamondbacks took two out of three. But your Rangers, on the other hand, you guys took the series over the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I mean the Tigers aren't that good. I, I was I was gonna feel really bad if we did. I mean, I I can see losing one game just because that's the nature of how it happens. But we actually swept them, and right now we actually uh, have a six game winning streak going, and um, hopefully we can keep it up. Uh, and yeah, with the with- and you guys are playing a very talented Tampa Bay Rays team that usually has four or three good quality starters, but the four and five guys are usually openers. Right, and uh, this—I don't know uh, why the Rays do that strategy. Do you even like that opener strategy when it comes to bullpen games? I'm a fan of it, actually. I mean, uh, no, let me rephrase that. I'm telling you that the opener strategy—I am a huge fan of the opener strategy because I feel like that I like starting the the middle reliever for like the first two innings, and then you have a long reliever for the rest of the game because it protects the bullpen. I, I am in favor of the opener strategy. Are you? It all depends. I mean, the the Rays have it's it's worked for the Rays sometimes this year, and it hasn't. I mean, the fortunate thing for them is they have a good offense, good enough offense to hide that if if it becomes an issue. I mean, in the first game yesterday between Texas and Tampa, we actually faced their number uh, three guy, I think. Or uh, you mean Glass now? No, uh, it was um, or it was, or was an opener. It was Chirinos. Um, oh, was he the opener? Yeah. Opener, or was he just the starting – or the regular starter? He was the regular starter. I think he's number two or three behind – I know Charlie Morton's the, the ace for them right now. Uh, Blake I think Snell. He, I say Blake Snell's the ace. Or Blake Snell, talent-wise, is the ace, but Morton's having the better season. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's Blake Snell. It's, 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 it's uh, Blake Snell, Morton uh, – because I mean, Torino's isn't bad. He was, until we faced him, he was seven and three. Um, but yeah, we we won that game. But actually, the big thing for to look at now that everyone's hyped up about is the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, the their their number the number two overall prospect in all of baseball. Well, not, not their number two prospect, number twenty three overall in baseball. Uh, Brendan McKay is making his debut today, so that's who uh, they've inserted into the rotation. Yeah, and I'm also hearing – I don't think they're going to even move to Montreal. I wouldn't if I were them. Because I heard the owner of the race say that he they're committed to Tampa Bay. I'd stay there, especially now like that they're – got to get out of Tropicana Field, though. Yeah. I would like for them to build a stadium in downtown Tampa, not go to – St. Petersburg. Not, not Montreal. They should they – should, uh, they should find a way to get out of St. Petersburg and build a new stadium in, uh, in in downtown Tampa, like how the Rangers have Globe Life Field coming up next season. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know it's it's a good thing to do, especially when your team is young and on the rise, because that helps lure free agents and build a market for your team. Uh, you know, the, the Rays, Rays are being the Rays are a good team. They're they're a solid team right now. They're fighting for a wild card spot in a very tough division uh, with the Yankees and Red Sox. So 
Um, you know, if they keep this up, then they might just have to say, hey, you know, our fans are getting excited. We might need to build a new field. Yeah, so you're right that I I thought I talked about Tyler Glass now, but he's on the 60 day IL because of a forearm strain. So that's a kind of a dangerous injury right there because that could lead into Tommy John surgery. Yeah, and no pitcher wants Tommy John surgery. No, of course not. It could cost him a year or two to miss time. It, it it's a it's a tough it's a tough one to overcome. It's tough for pitchers, but if a, if like a Corey Seager or a shortstop has it, it takes them about nine to ten months to heal. Right, because they don't have to worry about constantly throwing the ball. It doesn't really impact their swing as bad as uh, it impacts a pitcher's pitch. That's what I meant. A position when a, if a position player has Tommy John surgery on their throwing elbow, it doesn't mean that they'll miss two years. It means that they'll miss the rest of the year, but return for spring training. Right. So, so let's get right back to it. So the Dodgers, however, after getting losing the series to Arizona, they won Thursday, and then yesterday we lost. So I feel like that the Dodgers will still win this series over Colorado. But what I'm concerned is, is if the pitching's able to hold up in Coors Field, which I love Coors Field to be honest. I love, I love that hitters park, but I'm just, I just hate it when the pitch when our pitchers have to pitch there. Yeah, and and I actually, uh, it makes me anxious. To, that was to see it to see want to see our pitchers pitch at uh, Coors Field or any visiting pitcher to pitch there. Yeah, and honestly, I, I got to see the high to the game. I think that was uh, Ryu's first or Ryu or Ru, whatever. Uh, Ryu, Ryu. Yeah, I think that was his first bad game of the year. Uh, yeah, I don't was, blame him for that. It wasn't pretty, but yeah, it's at, that, that wasn't ball, his fault, or it wasn't Bueller's either. No, I don't blame was, any of them for 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 their bad performances for the first two games of the series. It's just a bad ballpark for pitchers because it you is know, any it's not any a good pitchers of, park. Any usually, if you especially if you like getting flyouts to end innings or to get outs, it's not too helpful because the 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 altitude the uh, and like and all that all that factoring in like flyouts become home runs or they go further than you anticipate so. Uh, I, I think though that the, the, um, Rockies are a good, enough, I mean, no, the Dodgers are a good enough team. Uh, it's, it should be an interesting battle between Kershaw and, and uh, Gray today, but I think that the Dodgers should win. So my, my question for you about the Rockies is since you're from Colorado and then you kind of watch their games is a lot of, I've heard a lot of rumors about the Rockies moving Wade Davis out of the closer role. And I'm like, if I were Bob Black, I would not re- remove him out of the closers role because even though he's struggling, you keep him in that closers role because he can he can fix the mistakes he's made. You know, Wade Davis is. I mean, it was not too long ago where he was coveted by every team because of what he did with the Royals and as their in that closing role, he was a, a star in the, as a relief pitcher. Uh, I I think at worst, you know, if you have to take him out of there, which I, I would hope he doesn't. I would have I would move him to at least keep him active as a setup guy for in the late seventh or eighth inning, um, just to help him get that make his mechanics right and his confidence back up. I wouldn't uh, completely like sit him or he's just too talented and too like they they paid a lot of money for him uh, to come over. So I I would I would try to keep him in the lineup as or on on the on the hook to call up to you know, pitch late in late in games as often as possible. I don't believe in like, as if I were a baseball manager, I don't believe in bullpen by committees. That's not my theory in, in building baseball bullpens. I believe in traditional roles in bullpens. Like I believe in a traditional closer, traditional setup man for the eighth inning and a traditional guy for the seventh inning. And then sixth inning or less will be matchups. Yeah. I mean, that would be ideal. Managers just make decisions sometimes based on injuries and what they think is right. But I, I do agree with uh, uh, having guys that you already know uh, what, what they're comfortable with, what, what inning that they're suited for, what part of the game, the situation. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I also think here with Wade Davis, if, if the Rockies were to move on from him, I think uh, the Rockies should give the closers role to Carlos Estevez. He has closers type stuff. He does. I, I've heard some Rockies fans I've talked to uh, say good things about him. That's why I think Carlos Estevez should be the uh, 
the closer. And I also think uh, when Tyler Anderson returns, I don't see him in the rotation because of Antonio Santatella cracking in. I think Jeff Lambert will be in the rotation. The only lefty, Jeff Jeff Hoffman, the only lefty I see in the rotation is Kyle Freeland when he gets when he gets right. Yeah, that's that's the thing that has a lot of Rocky fans up here upset is uh, the issues that Kyle Freeland's been having. Uh, he uh, he needs to fix uh, fix that stuff. Yeah, I I think he'll I I think sending him to sending him back to AAA will 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 more than help him get back to his form. Right. So with that being said, everybody. Uh, Let's talk about today, the Dodgers and Rockies. So Kershaw going up against John Gray. Um, I think Clayton Kershaw is going to start the Dodgers on a new win streak. But I know he loves pitching at Coors Field. I'm not too concerned about him pitching there because he's used to pitching in that altitude. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got a little bit of familiarity with it, so he's, uh, he's prepared. But the only ballpark that visiting ballpark that's given him trouble is Chase Field. Yeah, I I have uh, I have seen, I have read about that, but the but Kershaw is very dominant against Arizona, especially at Dodger Stadium. But pitching to Chase Field for Kershaw, that's kind of his Achilles' heel when it comes to visiting ballparks. Yeah, every every pitcher, even the best ones, have one place that just for some reason they they're off their game a little. I think for Bueller, his off game is at Coors Field. Yeah, uh, it certainly seemed that way. And Ryu, but I think I think Maeda pitches well there. He did. I remember that. So I'm I'm also thinking here. My question for you about my other question about the Rockies for you is: Do you see that? Do you see Ian Desmond now getting a utility role now? Because I feel like that Ramel Tapia should start in center field. And then David Dolph remains as the starting left fielder, in my opinion. I say that because I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like McMahon is more of a, bench, um, a, a hitter off the bench because I feel like it's time to give Brendan Rodgers the the nod at the everyday second baseman, even when uh, Trevor Story returns. It's it's interesting because um, Dahl should definitely be in the lineup because he's got a really good average. Um, second best average on the team after uh or third best uh, after Blackman and Arenado. Um Desmond Desmond's a funny player because he'll have stretches where fans don't want him in the lineup at all because he when he's on his at his worst he's really bad but he's really turned it around and I mean uh you know he he's he he raised his average like earlier in the year it was like one seventy now he's back up to two eighty uh, it's tough, honestly. I I think it depends on the pitching matchup, but I wouldn't be surprised if Desmond got used as a utility player because he's very versatile. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think this. I think that I think in the NL West, I'll tell you that which is already a given. The NL West, the NL West division, who's the better team in that division is the Dodgers, not Colorado, oh. not Arizona, not SF, and nor the Padres. It's the Dodgers. No, of course. I mean, the Dodgers have. What were you saying again? No, I was saying, yeah, of course. The Dodgers they have a twelve game lead. They're 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 by far the best team. Ever since that. the Diamondbacks traded Paul Goldschmidt, I feel like the NFC the the NL West just the NL West is just the Dodgers division. Ever since the Diamondbacks traded Paul Goldschmidt, I I just don't I I don't see Arizona going anywhere. I think the top three teams in the NL West are the Dodgers, the Rockies, and the Padres. Right, and then I mean, the, the the Rockies have that offensive firepower, but their pitching is very flaky at times, and the Padres still need another year or two to reach that reach the um, goal that they want of after all their free agency and uh, farm system upgrades. So I uh, so for tonight's matchup for the Dodgers and Rockies, so you, I think John Gray's had a better year this year, but I, I but but. Does he pitch well against the Dodgers? Absolutely not. No, and I mean he he's he's got I almost a, who knows how to pitch well against the Dodgers is I think Herman Marquez. Yeah, um, Herman Marquez is the ace. I'll tell you that he's he has had the best season. He's he's had so he's had some he's games gonna be good for a long time. I could see that in Herman Marquez. He has right. good stuff. 
and he is going to be their number one starter. And then when Freeland's right, he'll be the number two man behind Herman Marquez. Yeah, Marquez has been outstanding. He's had he's some lights out. He has lights out stuff. But I saw his last start against the Dodgers. He only limited them to two runs, and that was about it. That's that's Except pretty tough. The to run do. he gave up to Bellinger, but all in all, he's just tough to hit against. Right. He, Herman he's tough. Marquez and then Sensatella yesterday. He still got the win despite having a rocky first inning. Yeah. Yeah, that was. He should have not got the one, in my game. opinion, because he wasn't pitching well to begin with. And I saw him pitch live last Sunday when I was at the game, and he he pitched a good ball game. He pitched all. He pitched a gem. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I agree. Did you see that when he pitched only? He only went six innings and only gave up two runs. But his ERA is still a little high. It's in the, it's in the high fours. But as long as his ERA is under five point oh oh, then he's good. But if it's over five point oh oh, then I don't consider that a good ERA if it's over 5.00. Right. You have to get an under 5.00 to be a good pitcher in baseball. Yeah, I and, agree. And then elite is uh, 1.00 or less. Yeah, and that's very rare. 2.00, between 2.0 and the 3.00 range, I consider that solid. That's very solid. Very but good. But 4.00 or 4.00, between 4.00 and 4.90, I'm like, you could do better. Yeah, they can. That's, but I, as long as you keep it under five point oh, then you're then then you're doing then you're good. Absolutely. But I just don't like pitchers that have ERAs over five point oh. You you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I say that because if, if I see a pitcher that has an ERA over five, I'm like, you could do better than that. Come on, what's not working? Is it the command? Is it the way you locate the pitch? I just like pitchers that they are very accurate and they have the good command and the mechanics on the mound. Yeah, they're well-rounded. And then and then I also think for the Rockies, when I saw them in the first two games in the series, I think Scott Oberg should be the man that's the setup man. Scott uh, Oberg's turned out to be a good reliever. Yeah, he... Um... He's definitely had some good moments and proven that he deserves a uh, consideration. So I'm thinking that the Rockies rotation should look like this when everyone's healthy. It should be Marquez, Freeland, Gray, Senzatella, and Tr- and Jeff Hoffman. And then you move uh, Tyler Anderson into the bullpen because he's not a starting pitcher. He sucks. No, he's not. He's not that good. So let's talk about your Rangers game today. Who's going? Who's pitch? Who's the starter today for the Rangers? Is it Lance Lynn or is it Mike Miner, your ace? No, they, they, they Lance Lynn pitched yesterday and he pitched a eight inning, uh, ten strikeout game shut out, which was pretty awesome. But no, today it's uh, it's Samson. Um, is Leclerc still the closer? Uh, we kind of been alternating it between Jose Leclerc, um, Sean Kelly. And uh, we're even thinking about maybe, maybe throwing someone else in there. But I think Leclerc started to find his stuff again. Uh, he might be, he might be ready to assume it full time again. He was struggling early on. No, my bad though. I I predict. I also predict on the Rockies rotation. I think Peter Lambert's earned to be in the rotation. So it should be Marquez, Freeland, Gray, Sensatella, and Lambert with Jeff Hoffman, Tyler, and Tyler Anderson in the bullpen as the. Teams long relievers, you know. That's that seems pretty reasonable. That's what I that's what I think, in my opinion. Because do you like that rotation right there? Marquez, Freeland, Gray, Senzatella, and uh, Lambert. I, I I especially like the, the 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 first four. I mean, that fifth one, it's it's up there. But obviously, uh, but you agree with my first four? What the Rockies rotation should look like now? But yeah. I'm not moving Marquez down. I'm keeping them as the number one guy because. I had a debate last year about who's going to be the number one guy for the Rockies in the rotation. Is it Freeland or Marquez? But my eyes were all along on Marquez. Right. I mean, Freeland's just – he's he's shown some good stuff. I'm but... shocked that he, was, that he just took a step back this year. He was going to be that number two guy that's going to compete for a Cy Young Award each year. I think Marquez is the, is, is the more likely candidate to be contending for a Cy Young in the National League. I agree. Yeah, he's he's got the he's right on, stuff, and he's playing. He's my great. age, twenty four years old. 
and he has and he has he has a very good record this year. But has does he pitch well at, at Coors Field as when it's when the Rockies are home? He can pitch well at home. I think last year he didn't have he was a reverse splits guy. That kind of surprised me. His success came from on the road. Yeah, I mean, even though they practice up here and have them like have the advantage of pitching up here all the time, it's just hard to predict because Coors Field is just it's it's always going to be a hitter's ballpark. But I think Marquez, I I I now predict, I now admit that uh, Herman Marquez is the ace of the Colorado Rockies starting staff. Right. Because I think he he throws very hard. I'll tell you that. He does. He's he's got some good stuff. But I think Freeland will get better. I know. I still have faith in Kyle Freeland as the number two man in the rotation behind Herman Marquez. We'll just have to see how he is when he comes back up from the Miners. I think Tyler Anderson's going to be moving to the bullpen next year. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, he shouldn't be a starter. It's kind of like for me, the Dodgers move on from Rich Hill next year, and then I expect Urias to be in the rotation next year on a full-time basis. Right. And I have a question for you. So, talk about the Rangers. Rugnet Odor left yesterday's game. Is is it a day-to-day injury for Rugnet Odor? Who, I, who is my favorite player on the Rangers? I'll tell you that. I actually Rugnet did. Odor. I actually didn't see any uh, updates just yet. I think he's getting his MRI today or tomorrow. But the Dodgers, however, they'll be getting some offensive reinforcements when we play Boston after the All-Star break. Corey Seager's coming back. Yeah, he's he's definitely someone you want to – I mean, there's obviously no reason to seriously rush him because there's depth, but it's nice to get him back out there and get him, uh, get him back and active in the lineup. I can't wait. I mean – but the Dodgers have been doing so well without him ever since Chris Taylor has been the primary shortstop in Seager's absence. I felt like he's just stepping up at the right time. He has. He's been coming in clutch. And then right now, as we speak here, we're looking at the Yankees and Red Sox series in London. I'm watching that right now. I think it's a very good high-scoring uh, game here, but both starters did not pitch well, especially no. Tanaka and Porcello. I was expecting both of them. Them to be to be a pitcher's classic, but both teams have good hitters. They do, and I mean, Porcello and Tanaka didn't even uh, make it out of the first inning. Uh, no, it was bad. It was a bad was first bad. inning. But the Yankees are now up fifteen six. Lemay, who at the plate, and he just got himself a base hit and a couple of runs driven in. Yeah, bases loaded. Yeah, is the game over by then? I don't think so. I think the Red Sox could. Uh, make a comeback and make it close. Yeah, I mean, both starters are out, and you already have the bullpens active in the second, third inning for both teams. So, I mean, anything is possible. Uh, the Red Sox have the advantage of being the 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 away the, listed as the, the away home team, team. Home team, so they'll, they'll get the last chance to hit. I mean, both. Uh, what's surprising is that both teams are wearing white jerseys. I don't know why. Uh, I, I would have expected the Red Sox to wear their – I mean, Reds. the red, red ones. For some reason, both teams they they view their their classic jerseys as the white ones, but it doesn't make sense when they both play because the only difference you can tell on them is the Yankees have that different shade of of white with the logo, and the Red Sox just have the red letters on them. So it's interesting. But the Yankees, but... the reason why I think they're in the white jerseys is because they like they like the stripes. Yeah, well, that's the classic, the pinstripes. That's the iconic Yankees uniform. You know who I want to see in London? What when my Dodgers play the Giants? I want to see that. Or in Mexico City, the Dodgers and Giants play I, a series in Mexico City as the Dodgers are the home team there. I I could see the Mexico City one being more likely uh, with with these For the London, Dodgers and the Giants. Yeah, no, the these, Monterey Mexico one. With these uh with these London games, I think they they want the series to always be like the most. The Dodgers are one of the most popular teams, but like, I I, I would like to see like obviously it's like the Dod the Yankees and Red Sox are two of the most popular teams in the all of Major League Baseball. Plus, it's like the worst rivalry. So I could I could see the the uh, Dodgers Giants series in Mexico definitely being very very um, intense. Yeah, absolutely. So let's also preview Game Three, the Dodgers Rockies series. Kenta Maeda on the mound tomorrow. He's going to go up against Gonzalez. I don't know him, but he's he's another up-and-coming rookie. Yeah. Uh, 
Chi Chi, uh, he he actually used Chi to, Gonzalez. He actually used to play for the Rangers uh, a while back, um, but he got hurt, and we we, he, we, we he's, re- he's a Florida guy, not from the Dominican Republic. No, uh, yeah, uh, but I mean, he's still trying to come back from his uh, Tommy John surgery that he had last year, so. I think that the dollars, you mean? Yeah, he had Tommy John surgery last year. And my I, question for you about the Rockies is, who should be the starting catcher going forward? Chris Ionetta or Tony Walters? I think Tony Walters is better. I I, I like Walters better. Ionetta is a good hitter, but I do you think Brendan Rodgers will be the Rockies starting second baseman? I mean, he's such a high, t- highly touted prospect, but they have to make a tough decision, you know, when they when they have Story and. Uh, all those other guys like back and healthy. It's, it's tough. Like, do you want to, do you want to keep him up on the roster or do you want to have set him back down? Like I keep him I up on the roster. He should start at second base. McMahon could start at first. If Daniel Murphy needs a day off. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would, I honestly would keep Rogers up. Cause I mean, their, their other options aren't really solid. Uh, once once story gets healthy, you know story shortstop, and then you put him at a second. I think that'd be fine. So tomorrow, I expect, I still expect the Dodgers to win the series over the Rockies. So for for the race series again, for the Rangers and race series, who's pitching tomorrow in the finale? Uh, for the Rangers, it's uh, Jesse Chavez versus Blake Snell. Of course, Snell hasn't really been having a good year like he did last year. He actually. Snell this in this past month had a in five starts had a almost a twelve ERA. Yeah, I mean I remember him when he was a Dodger. I think he's a better long reliever than a starting pitcher. He can go from innings two to six. Yeah, but I mean after that epic year that Snell had last year, uh, he, you know, you never know if he'll, if he'll round back into form because he's got the stuff, but. Jesse Chavez has been playing pretty solid for the Rangers lately. Uh, he went, he almost went seven innings in a win against Detroit on Tuesday. So hopefully he can keep the momentum up. Anyways, well, with that being said, that's going to end our show. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next Saturday. Thanks. You too.